Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing this Monday morning, 1st of Feb? As you may know, I'm a bit of a geek, and there's something very visually pleasing about February. (laughs) It fits perfectly. Uh, That might just be me but something that I love to see. Um, And today we are, we're kind of following on from last Wednesday's topic. We dove into stress with Lisa and we're still around stress, but coming at it, I guess, from a slightly different perspective today, we're joined by Stephanie, who is a yoga therapist. As I think I've mentioned, I'm a yoga instructor, but not necessarily practicing. Um, And certainly not at the moment with everything as it is but yoga is something that for myself does have um, an impact on how I feel um I live a lot of my life in my head if that makes sense and it's a way that I can connect back to my breath and my body and kind of feel that union that yoga is all about so this was a great conversation to talk about yoga therapy and what that is and the differences and to get some just some thoughts about how we can have a bit more balance in our lives. So I'm not going to chat any more right now. And let's dive into this conversation with Stephanie and I will be back super quickly afterwards. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. And I'm really happy to welcome this week's guest, Stephanie, to the podcast. So Stephanie, welcome. And if you could introduce yourself to us, that would be fantastic. Hi, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me. I am Stephanie Weikert. I'm a certified yoga therapist and creator of Make Peace with Stress, um, which is a philosophy uh, process and a program for smart and very capable men and women who struggle with, with stress and with overwhelm and frustration and the issues around chronic stress. So I'm really happy to be here to share some of my insights about yoga with your audience. Awesome. And there, I mean, there's so much already (laughs) I want to ask you and and dive into, and we'll definitely get into stress and and overwhelm later on. But I guess the first question, uh, and I didn't say this before we started, but I'm a kind of yoga instructor, although I don't actually instruct yoga at the moment, but I have that. But for for, um, people that are listening who have this idea of what yoga is, what is a yoga therapist and how is that different to just if they went to a yoga class and or saw a therapist? Sure. Yeah, it's a great question. And I really appreciate you asking because I I am somewhat on a mission to spread that information because it's a, it is an important distinction. Yoga therapy is really using yoga, the insights, the philosophy and the practices, which is really, it's a lot more than most people know, right? Many people know the physical practice, right? The rolling out the mat and doing sun salutations, but that's just a small part of what the whole of yoga is. So yoga therapy is using all of the tools and insights and practices um, that fall under the umbrella of yoga as a, as a plan of treatment or as, you know, specifically for specific issues. And the way that I love to talk about it is if you have a cold and you go to the pharmacy, the drugstore to get medicine for your cold, you choose a medicine. Here in the US, I know there's like a whole aisle of options. It's enormous. But you choose your medicine based on the symptoms that you have. So if you're coughing or sneezing or both, if you have a runny nose or if you're congested, if you have a fever or not, if you have, you know, body aches or chills or, you know, all the different things that are part of your potential cold symptoms, you choose a medication based on your symptoms. And that's very much what yoga therapy is. You use specific parts and pieces 
of, of all of the different things that are under the umbrella of yoga specifically for your ailment or you know your issue or your circumstances uh, doesn't always have to be um, remedial it could be i want to boost my confidence right so therefore there are certain things that you can do in a specific way that would help you with that amazing yeah thank you for for going into that because yeah i think that yoga itself we do have that very narrow uh, perception I know in the UK as well as I imagine in the US of, of what it is and all the other limbs of yoga are just not really talked about that's right so did you start off as a, a yoga instructor I'd love to know more about how you got into uh, yoga therapy yeah it's a good question I um no, the answer is no. I didn't start off as a yoga therapist. I was had a completely different career um, through in my twenties, and the backstory uh, is that through my teens, through my late teens, and through my twenties, I really struggled with what I now know is stress-related anxiety and depression. And um, during that time in my life, I was in school and I was, you know, at a job, several different jobs over the course of my 20s. But, you know, in general, my life looked pretty normal, pretty, you know, put together, you know, for a 20 something. But mm -hmm. the truth was that I was really struggling inside. I was really having a lot of overwhelm and frustration and doubt and worry and fear. And, um, and one of the things that happened during that time was that I developed, again, what I now know, I didn't know it at the time, but I developed a body-focused repetitive behavior. And the one that most people are familiar with is nail biting, right? It's a body focus, something that you do to your body over and over again. I didn't bite my nails though. I pulled on my eyebrows and eyelashes. And you know, I literally would just sort of feel around and isolate a hair and pull it out as a, as a nervous habit. And um, at several occasions through my 20s, I had no eyebrows or eyelashes at all. And what happened was around 27, I had an experience where I saw myself in the mirror and I, it was, I was out of my body almost. I was in yoga, we call it witness consciousness, right? Where you can see yourself seeing yourself. And I saw myself in the mirror as if for the first time and I recognized that what was going on inside of me and this, you know, this particular habit coping mechanism really was something that I had a choice about. And it was a huge realization because I recognized that the choice was that I could either stay stuck in the patterns of stress-based thinking and reacting and responding to life, or I could take charge of myself. And when I say it that way, I acknowledge that's like, well, duh, obviously. <laughs> but at the time, it was super profound because I was so caught up in all of this, you know, stress-based thinking and being that it felt out of my control. And certainly this habit was just something I didn't even really realize I was doing. But then that day I saw myself in the mirror and I saw that I had no eyebrows or eyelashes and it was like, oh, I'm doing this to myself and I can stop if I, if I try, right? And so it was a big shift. So I decided that in that moment that I was going to really just focus on not pulling on my eyebrows and eyelashes. And in that moment, I didn't have any eyebrows or eyelashes to pull on. But I still, you know, had the nervous sort of coping mechanism of, of feeling and, you know, picking, if you will. And so I decided that I'm stopping this. I'm going to stop doing this. And what I started to do, and this was before I knew anything about yoga at all. What I started to do is when I found myself searching for something to pull on, I would bend over and take a few slow, deep breaths and say to myself, stop, <laughs> you don't have to do that. You can stop yourself or some version of that, right? You don't have to 
you don't have to do that anymore. Stop yourself, stop yourself. And it started working um, because I essentially was getting to that sort of fork in the road moment of I can continue to do this or I can take charge of it. And it was really a fairly simple way of taking charge. When I was doing it, I would bend over, breathe and say, stop, stop, you can stop, you can stop. It's like a pep talk, you know, so I was like coaching myself. And it started to work and my eyebrows and eyelashes really slowly, but eventually started to grow back. And what happened out of that was that I recognized that I really could take charge of myself. I really could um, change something that I had been struggling with for, at that point, like a decade. So fast forward a few years later, I discovered yoga and I went to my first yoga class at the YMCA and uh, the teacher was saying a few things and I had another sort of epiphany that what I had been doing, bending over, breathing and talking to myself repeatedly, working on my mindset, what I had been doing was yoga. I didn't know it at the time. But that aha moment was like, oh, this is yoga and this is what's saved me. It's rescued me from, you know, from a really dark place, if I'm honest. Um, and so I ultimately decided to change my what I was doing with my life because it had such a profound impact on me. And I knew that that I could help people make positive changes in their lives through yoga therapy. So that's how I got into it. And to this day, I use that same skill set. I teach and use that same skill set of doing something with your body that's specific based on what you need, doing something with your breath that's specific based on what you need, and doing something in your mind that is very specific based on what you need. And there's a real, there's a real sort of, um, sort of synergy, you know, exponential benefit to putting those three things together. And, and it makes it very simple, right? Because when you're struggling with stress or mental health issues, you know, complicated doesn't work, right? But simplicity really makes it doable. And as soon as you start to um, be able to do something and see that it's benefiting you, you're likely to stick to it. Yeah, that's so true. Thank you for sharing that story. And and I guess so we've we've kind of touched on um, stress a little bit. And so I think that's a word that we we use quite a lot, but maybe for people listening, they might be like, well, what what is it? Like, what does it mean? What is stress and how, if they are looking at themselves yeah. and their own life, how would they recognize if they were experiencing stress and uh, particularly chronic stress, which is, I know something that you talk about? Yeah, yeah, it's such a great question because it really is the crux of my philosophy that stress, at, you know, its base level is our body and mind's way of preparing us to survive right? The stress response is there to prepare us to take action. If you're, you know, I mean, the age old way of saying it is if you're being chased by, you know, if you, if you come across a saber toothed tiger, you need to be able to run as fast as you can. And so what happens in your body is that it diverts energy from your digestive system. It diverts energy from your sort of logical planning, thinking mind and to the more survival center of your brain. You know, your heart starts pounding, you start breathing, you know, super uh, shallow and rapid to get a lot of oxygen to your muscles so that you can run as fast as you can. And, you know, it's been reported that people have, you know, like, feats of strength in those types of moments. Mm. But thankfully, now most of us are not having our lives threatened on the daily basis. But our stress response is still in that same mode of something is threatening. And so here's all of these uh, here's all of these uh, things that happen in the, the mind and body. And chronic stress is when, so in the, in the instance of the saber-toothed tiger, or a more modern example might be like almost getting in a car accident, right? You, you pull out an intersection and a car runs the red light and you need to like super act fast and that's your stress response. 
bringing you to this split second, you know, energy of being able to know what to do without sort of, you know, you don't have time to, oh, I should ver verge to the left because I want to avoid this car, right? You're, that doesn't work or happen in your brain. So, um, so when that happens, when there's a normal stress response, the energy of it is discharged. But chronic stress is when we are judging and responding to things, uh, reacting to things as if they're threatening, but the energy of the stress response isn't discharged and it ultimately just perpetuates itself. So, you know, a, a modern example might be watching the news a lot, having more on your to-do list than you think that you can actually handle, not getting enough sleep, not exercising and, you know, putting your body in a place where it's not that your digestive system isn't working to its optimum. And, um, and, and all of that, the combination of all of that tends to really have us so we're not feeling well and we're not thinking clearly. So something like someone making a comment about the way you're dressed might turn into a they don't like me and you know they're they're judging me and maybe I am just a xyz and a spiraling set of thoughts that has your body respond as if you're being threatened and so chronic stress is when it just never turns off and the way that I like to talk about that is imagine if your car is stuck in the mud and you just keep pressing the gas and the wheels are spinning and wearing out and the engine is revving, but not actually being used. And just eventually the whole situation, the whole thing breaks down. And that's what happens when we struggle with stress. And when, our, when we're struggling with chronic stress are the systems that are meant to help you in a truly life or death situation eventually are impaired. Uh, because they're not meant to be on, right? We're not meant to breathe shallowly all the time. We're not, our heart rates aren't meant to be elevated all the time, right? We're not meant to, our, our digestive system is meant to get an appropriate amount of blood flow, but if it's diverted, our muscles are not meant to be tensed up and ready to, you know, to fight all the time. Our, our brains are not meant to always be in the survival center all the time where, like I said, a comment can feel like uh, that rocks your world. It's interesting you, uh, you said about exercise as one of those things that can add to chronic stress because when you're talking about the saber-toothed tiger and you've got all that kind of adrenaline and you've got that response, you'd think that actually exercise is a way of being able to discharge some of, uh, some of that uh, energy. Yeah. Yeah. And for some people it might be, but what I have found in my 15 years of doing this work is that we tend to perpetuate our own patterns, right? It's sort of like when your brain is always looking to uh, verify what it thinks is true. And so I see all the time people in yoga, like doing, going to a yoga class that's super intense and really vigorous and strong where they're sweating and breathing fast and, you know, pushing themselves. And nine times out of 10, those people are doing the same thing in their lives, <laughs> right? They're that type of person mm. that is just constantly striving and struggles to relax. So they don't go to the yoga class that's more gentle or more restorative or more meditative because it doesn't sort of, uh, because it's the opposite of the way that they're used to interacting with the world, but it's exactly what they need. Mm. So that's the way to look at it in terms of exercise is meant to help bring balance to your life. So what is the type of exercise? And this goes right along with the make peace with stress philosophy of like what you tend to resist or dislike is typically something that you need um, to help bring balance, especially the things that we really don't like, because oftentimes we don't like them because it's unfamiliar and it makes us uncomfortable. But that um, unfamiliarity and that discomfort is actually what becomes the opportunity to uh, grow, to change, to 
you know, expand your capacity for things. Yeah, amazing. Thank you for, for sharing that. And so you mentioned the the make peace with stress method. So I wonder if you could dive into that a little bit more and tell us about, about that. Yes. Yep. It's three steps. And what I want to say before I tell you the three steps is that they seem very simple and straightforward. And they are. But like so much of yoga, they... A, meet you where you are. They can be applied to experiences that are not like necessarily super stressful, but irritating or whatever. And also these three steps in this process can be applied to significantly bigger issues of of stress and of, you know, resistance and negativity and all of the things. So yoga just by default, really meets you where you are, right? One of the ways that I talk about that is you you don't do downward facing dog once and say, okay, yeah, I figured out that posture and I don't need to do it anymore. Check it off the list, right? You continue to practice it because every time you practice it, there's some potentially something different, right? That you're getting out of it. And that's the same with the make peace with stress process. So the three steps are um, self-study in Sanskrit, it's svadhyaya. Um, And the way that I like to talk about this to really simplify it is notice. And the noticing is notice your inner experience of all things stress, resistance, overwhelm, frustration, judgment, negativity, you know, discomfort, all of those things, or even the physical aspects of like tension or jaw clenching or chronic headache or insomnia notice these things. And the reason that even though it seems so simple is that the reason that's so important is because our bodies and our minds are constantly trying to communicate with us. And so many of us just ignore or dismiss or live with or manage, try to manage what's going on. So the self-study piece or noticing piece is really about starting to pay attention on purpose as like a scientist, like what is happening here? What is this information that I'm getting from my body, from my mind, from, you know, my heart, my spirit. So that's the first step, self-study or noticing. The second step is surrender. The Sanskrit is Ishvara Pranidhanha. And um, the way that I like to talk about this to simplify it again is open. So notice and then open. And the opening piece is the fork in the road moment. You can either stay stuck in your pattern of whatever it is that's not working for you, or you can take charge of it. And you have to make that a conscious choice because if you don't make it a conscious choice, you'll stay stuck because that pattern has established itself and it's easy to do. That's the way your brain works. Your brain is wired to find and follow patterns and strengthen them. So just like when you wake up in the morning, probably the first five things that you do every day are exactly the same, right? They're very habitual. You, whatever it is, there's a handful of things and we all have our own routines, but uh, that is a pattern that's very well established. For the most part, wherever you are, whatever day it is, you're going to do those first, you know, three to five things every day. And so any sort of bad habit or pattern of thinking and feeling and being that is not working for you, you have to be super intentional about opening to that experience as an opportunity to change it. So for my story, when I found myself, when I noticed that I was pulling or looking for something to pull on, I had to, in that moment, say, oh, here's my chance to practice stopping this. And so that opening piece or surrender piece is really about taking that opportunity. You can't do it for yesterday. You can't do it in advance for tomorrow. You have to do it right now. So the third step is intention, or in Sanskrit, sankalpa. And the easier way to remember this, or the simplified, I guess, way of of remembering this is welcome. And for me, this is just simply about welcoming what you do want. So again, in my story, my mantra of sorts was, 
you can stop yourself. You can stop yourself. You don't have to do that. You can stop. You can stop. That's what I wanted. I wanted to stop. And so that's what I repeated in my mind over and over again. And in terms of, you know, any circumstance, once you've noticed your inner resistance, noticed your discomfort, said, oh, this is information and my opportunity to do something about this, to work on making a change. The welcoming piece is, okay, what change do I want? How do I want to feel in this moment? How do I want to show up for myself in my life? How do I, you know, want to approach this uncomfortable conversation? Like, what's the ideal here? And focus on that. And, you know, it doesn't change overnight, but the way it does change is by practicing to ch changing it, right? You're not going to be perfect. And there's no such thing as perfect anyway, whatever that is. It's actually perfect exactly the way it is. So whatever you do in that moment, you have to focus on what you really want. Because if you continue to focus on the old way that's not working for you, you're essentially asking for that to happen. So notice, open, and welcome. And I say it that way specifically because it's an acronym of now. That's when you practice it. Notice or self-study, pay attention on purpose open to the opportunity that you have to change whatever is not working for you, which is mostly here. <laughs> um, and, and then welcome what it is you do want. What's, what is, what is the way that you really want to practice being? What's your ideal of how you would like to feel and think and be in your life? Let's practice that right now. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for that. And, and you said about the, um, the kind of opportunities and changing it sort of in the the kind of the mind and that reframing the way you view things so reframing stresses as opportunities so um, you talked about opening to it but do you have yeah. any tips if people are kind of listening to it thinking like well how <laughs> how do I see this thing that's getting me so so worked yeah. up and overwhelmed how do I see that as an opportunity yeah well I think that the most important thing is the overriding um, shift in your mind that stress is not on the enemy, right? It's your body and mind's way of telling you that something in your current experience is threatening. And that might seem like a dramatic way of saying it, but if you're reacting to life in a way that's perpetually negative, then that is a threat. It's a threat to your health and well-being and, and to your happiness and your ability to thrive and to, to your ability to reach your highest potential. So when you really start to change your mind about stress and that experience of it, you begin to be able to be more open to it as that information. So to, to answer your question directly about how do you open it? How do you open to it? Um, because I like to think of, I, I like to say, you know, okay, so here's stress and, and complete resistance and negativity and frustration and overwhelm and all the things over here. And then here's that concept of complete surrender, complete openness to every experience as your human experience, purposeful, meaningful human experience. And it can feel like a big leap, like you said, right? It's like, how do I open to that? The, what I think of as a lily pad in the middle to help you get over to that other side of the river or whatever is gratitude is gratitude because when you shift to focusing on what you're appreciating about any moment it immediately takes you out of judgment and negativity and so you know you always can be grateful for the fact that your heart is beating and that you're breathing that you're alive right which again, may sound a little, um, you know, a little woo woo, but, but think about it, like, and especially in this time of global pandemic, right? There's a lot of people struggling to stay up to breathe and to stay alive right now. And so um, being grateful for your experiences are is a, is a key way to start to shift from that constant, like, to 
um, to, okay, maybe there's something here. And I'll, I'll just offer one other quick sort of tip for this. And it's the way I teach it is when you find yourself experiencing a reaction of, oh no, right? Like, oh no, why is this happening? Oh no, what am I going to do? Change oh no to okay. So, okay, why is this happening? Okay, what am I going to do? Right? It's a it's so such a small shift but a profound way of going from like ah to huh, okay, you know, to cultivating curiosity. And, you know, I just want to reiterate that it's a practice, right? This is not something that you learn how to do and say, okay, from now on, <laughs> I'm going to approach everything this way. You, mm -hmm. I, I've been doing it for 20 plus years and I, st I still do it. I still, when I find myself irritated about something or annoyed or frustrated or worried about something, I still stop myself and say, oh, I'm, I'm, I, I'm aware that this is happening inside of me. What's going on here? Oh, and what do I want to, oh, what's going on here? Oh, I'm, you know, worried about this because this and this. Oh, well, what I want to be is very clear about this situation so that I can think logically about it instead of just letting it spiral in my brain and turn into a worst case scenario. And it becomes that when you practice it, it really does become that more of that automatic response, right? Instead of immediately like, oh, no everything is falling apart it becomes more of the okay what's happening here what do I need to mm. think what do I need to focus on boom right and I think that's a really important reminder that it's a, a process and that develops over time and and you were saying about that kind of fork in the road thing and that we default to the the pattern of the way we've always done it and so when people are starting yeah. on this process there will be times where they default back to the oh no because that's what we do and it takes time so I guess to give yourself grace if you think well oh I just I couldn't do it that time that's okay right you know it's a practice right. it's, a, it's a process absolutely and when you when you know when you know how the brain works it becomes easier to recognize that right as I mentioned earlier your brain is really wired to find and follow patterns so that you don't constantly have to use all of your brain power to do things that you do every day, like tie your shoes or brush your teeth or, you know, drive a car, right? Remember the first time, the first handful of times that you drove a car, how much you had to pay attention to, right? Mm -hmm. All the, the mirrors and the steering wheel and the signals and the gas and the shift and the, the all, you know, the, the, where you're going and so much. And it was super intense because you were using a lot of your brain to keeps track of all of this stuff. Well, after a little time of driving, your brain is like, oh, I know how to do this. And now you can, you shouldn't, but you can drive and do other things, right? You, it becomes a very automatic thing in your life. And that's, a, that's a, an example of how your brain works that can be beneficial. But if there's things, if there's patterns and habits that you have, and certainly I think reacting stressfully just to keep it as an umbrella, you know, whatever that might look like for you, um, having that as an automatic uh, reaction to situations, to challenging, demanding, uncomfortable situations in your life is a pattern that's not serving you. It's not helping you solve the problems. It's not helping you feel good about yourself. It's not helping you be calm or relaxed. It's not helping your body or your mind. It's, it's, it's not sustainable and it is depleting to continually have that reaction. So when you recognize that it's the, that it's a process to continually practice, just like when you first learned to drive, that then does eventually become more automatic. But as I already mentioned, I've been using this process for 20 years and there are absolutely, I mean, almost weekly that I have to, that I, that I use it. But like yoga, like all of yoga, again, it just meets you where you are. So while I might not be stressing over traffic or small little tech glitches or whatever, everybody has times in their lives where there's more demand on them. There's more challenge. And that's just a time to double down on it. Um, uh, an interesting way to think about that is if you, you know, if you decide to, to, 
strengthen your biceps. You might start with a five pound weight and you do 10 reps of three for, with five pounds and you're sore and you're like, okay, you know, I'm getting stronger. But at some point that five pound weight is not going to continue to strengthen your muscle. You're going to have gotten strong enough for that five pound weight. And if you want to keep getting stronger, you pick up a 10 pound weight and start the process again. This is very much like that in that there will be a lot of sort of more superficial experiences. And I don't say that judgmentally, but things that, you know, really don't matter that much or people that are really struggling with stress tend to um, experience a lot of frustration over long lines at the grocery store or, you know, things that you're like, come on. Um, so this works in those situations and start, those typically start to get eliminated rather quickly, but we all have continual growth as a possibility. As long as we're alive, we can continue to grow. And what I think is so special about this process is that it just, it goes alongside with you, uh, alongside of you all the time, just like down dog, so to speak. Hmm. And you mentioned there about that understanding how the brain works. And when we talked about stress earlier and, and appreciating it as your brain, your body telling you that there's potentially a threat. And I think, I think there's something really powerful in understanding those those two facts because then it's not so much a personal what's wrong with me why am I always frustrated it's it's a bit more separate and impersonal which I think can help if it's just that this is just what my brain does stress is just this it's not so much uh something about me it's right humans (laughs) this is how humans function and I think that's a powerful yeah yeah Yeah, it's just something that's become a habit. I mean, a habit is something that you do repeatedly that becomes automatic. That's it. And so, you know, for most of us, we have stories about ourselves that we maybe decided were our truth from childhood or experiences that had a a strong effect on us that we told ourselves a story about and it's it's really just about a a habit of thinking that becomes so automatic and so familiar that we don't recognize often that it's not who we really are and when we can as you mentioned sort of step back and recognize that it's just like the way that you don't have to tell your heart to beat, (laughs) right? Oftentimes in our brains, things are so automatic that we forget that we have control over it, that we have dominion over how we think um, and over, you know, how we respond to our feelings Mm. and to external situations. And so when you can start to take charge of that as a practice, as we've already mentioned, then yeah, it can actually be kind of fun. um, Because you just like training a puppy, right? You don't, you don't like take, take a puppy out once. And if it's not housebroken or whatever, you get rid of the puppy, right? You're like, oh, okay, I have to work with this. I have to, you know, train and continually repeat this process until the puppy understands what I want it to do. Your brain is the exact same way, right? You have to just continually work with your brain until it's working in the way that you mm-hmm. want to. So when you recognize that it's not only uh, something that you can control, but it's something that you can work with, then you get onto this path of continual, and I often say massive, positive growth, because it it does become fun. It does become something that you can continually work on and evolve and not in a not in a way of like I have to change because I'm bad but like ooh, what's possible here right again this sort of oh no to okay it's like what can I do with this what can I you know how can I really become like the highest version of myself continually amazing so um I have some set questions I ask everyone so it'd be great to hear your thoughts on these and and to dive into those so my first one I've got a couple of buzzwords that I use a lot on the podcast and so the first one is about joy and it's what brings you joy what boosts your mood Mm, I love 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 this question um and I think What's really interesting about this specifically as it relates to stress is that there's been some studies that show that the difference between stress and joy 
in your body is simply the belief uh, that stress is bad or good for your health. Um, and I'll, ha I'll happily send you some information about these studies if you want to put them uh, in the show notes. But the literally, people who believe stress is bad for their health experience the negative health effects of stress. People who don't believe that stress is bad for their health experience the physiological experience of joy in their body you know instead of constriction around their heart and their arteries they actually expand and a lot of blood flow and that sense of your heart being full and and joyful is is actually can actually come from a challenging demanding moment so what brings me joy and continually boosts my mood is sharing that message because i when i first started my business someone said well why are you doing this and i said my my immediate response was because i want the i want world peace and as soon as i said it i was like oh give me a break <laughs> right what kind of who is that but the fact is is that i truly believe that when we as individuals start to shift our mindset about challenges that we all face collectively as humans then more joy is possible for us and the more joy the more that each of us are experiencing the sense of joy and excitement and boost mood and um, a sense of wonder about the world the more of the world that's experiencing that so it truly is just so pleasurable for me to to share this message. Mm, awesome. The next one's interesting because sometimes there's an overlap in the answers for these two. So I'm intrigued to see if there is, sure. if there is for you. And that's what makes life meaningful for you. Mm, yeah. Um, I think my answer to that is my own personal growth. Um, and so there's sort of an overlap. Yeah. But um, I think recognizing when I recognized 20 years ago that I could take charge of my brain and myself and um, really sort of spontaneously discovered this process and then recognized that it was yoga and that there was a bunch of tools within yoga that were that I was using without even really understanding what I was doing. And having been on such a journey of personal growth over 20 plus years, it's something that I know that I will never stop doing and that does truly make life meaningful for me because I, I really truly enjoy sort of looking at my own patterns and looking at my stories and the ways in which I resist life and the ways in which I struggle with judgment and negativity and frustration and overwhelm. I, I truly uh, embrace those and continually try to use them as use them as, as catalysts for growth. And that's deeply meaningful. If I had to stop doing that, I, I think I would, I think a lot of my life's purpose would, would feel like it was lost. Mm. So my next one, it's two questions and I'm going to separate them uh, because I sometimes just go all in. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the, the kind of overall uh, theme, I guess, of the podcast is about mental well-being and, and kind of mental wellness. So the two questions around this are firstly, what does mental wellness mean to you? Mm, absolutely. Mental wellness means that I feel in alignment with myself. Now that doesn't mean that I don't experience inner conflict or discomfort or any of those things, but that inner alignment means that I'm willing to be there with myself, right? I think, you know, I often describe stress as just resistance to what's happening, right? The like, no, I don't want this. I don't, you know, the, the fight or flight, right? I'm going to fight this or run away from it or hide from it or whatever. And I think mental wellness is really about that sense of like, okay, this is challenging. This is demanding. This is asking a lot of me. 
but I'm, I'm not going to run and I'm not going to hide and I'm not going to fight. I'm going to surrender to it. I think mental wellness is really about being just more open to the gifts of life because again, it's just, it's precious and it's purposeful um, and meaningful in that we're here to grow. We're here to learn. We're here to be our best selves and to contribute our best selves to the world. That's, that's really what it's all about for me. Awesome. And, and then the follow on is how you look after your own mental well-being. Mm. Yeah, the crux of it for me is time by myself. Uh, time to disconnect, to unplug, to be on my own, to breathe, to, to listen, uh, to feel, to sort of shut out everything. And I, I really, I do that daily. And sometimes it's a meditation type practice. Sometimes it's just sitting by myself on the deck and just sitting there, not doing anything. Not, and, you know, sometimes that involves thinking, but it's really, for me, the core of it, whether, you know, it looks a lot of different ways, but the core of how I care for my own mental well-being is just being with myself. Yeah, amazing. I definitely, I'm, yeah, very much resonate with that, of having that space. Yeah, Mm. it's key. It's so easy to get distracted, right? It's so easy to put our attention on all the responsibilities and all the the news and the social media and Netflix and all the things. There's so much in our outer and even our inner experience that that tries to take our attention. And so I think we really have to be deliberate about shifting the spotlight of our attention Mm -hmm. inward. And being with that, not not numbing or distracting ourselves as a way to avoid ourselves, but really just recognizing that we have to be our mm-hmm. own best friends. We have to be there for ourselves because if we're not, no one else is going to be. No one is going to love us more than we love ourselves. No one is going to care for us more than we care for ourselves. So doing it for yourself is not selfish. It's really the way to be your best self for your friends and your spouse and your kids and your community and your, the world. Mm. Yeah, when you just said be your best friend, I was like, yes, because I always say that. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So my, so my next question, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit when we, we talked about reframing and, and that kind of thing, is I, I always ask guests that come on to describe their own mindset. Yes. Um, it's good. It's a really good question. I think my mindset is, like you said, I touched a little bit on it, just about openness. Um, but I'll go a little further in that my sort of a word that I use a lot for myself and work on practicing is wholeheartedness. And that's just about not only being open, but bringing all of it with you, right? Not just, oh, here's the face that I put on for this job or this thing or whatever, but but real deep levels of authenticity and vulnerability and humanness. So my, my mindset is that I approach my life and my work wholeheartedly just all of it, you know, there's no reason to, Mm. to suppress or there's no reason to hold back. We have this one life that we know about and we're here to just live it to the fullest. And so for me, that wholeheartedness is really the word that uh, full sincerity, full presence, full authenticity. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so my next question, uh, I ask all of the guests that we have on, uh, we have a kind of toolbox approach where we all put some suggestions in yes. that people can dip in and try and kind of see what works for them. So could you leave the listeners with between one and three tips that they can put in place in their life that are going to have a massive impact? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it has to be the make peace with stress process. Again, those three steps of paying attention on purpose without judgment, really, you know, recognizing that your life experience is there for you to help you and not, 
you know, happening to you to break you down to make your life miserable, but really um, all every experience has meaning and purpose. And then opening to that as such, you know, it's one thing to know it. But then it's another thing to sort of have that wholehearted mindset, like I was just talking about, about, okay, good, what's, what's here for me? Um, and, and then recognizing that your ability to shape your experience through how you're thinking and what you're focusing on is, has enormous impact, enormous impact. There's a super fun story. I'll tell the shortest version of it about a man, a homeless man sitting on a box and begging for money. And a stranger walks by at one point and he, uh, you know, the, the homeless man asks the stranger for money. And the stranger says, you know, I don't have anything to give you, but what's in your box? You know, what, what's that box you're sitting on? And the homeless man says, it's just a box. I've been sitting on it forever. You know, it's just whatever. It's just a box. No big deal. And the stranger says, well, maybe you should open it and check it out. And so the, so together they open the box and to the homeless man's, you know, complete and utter astonishment, it's filled with gold. And why I love this story is because all of us has that box of gold that we're sitting on <laughs> that we don't know about or that we've just been taking for granted or not, not looking within to, to really experience. And so the three, the three steps of paying attention to your experience, recognizing that it's full of gold and being willing to say, okay, I'll, I'll take some of that gold. <laughs> and then thinking about, okay, well, how then do I want to spend that gold? What do I want to do with this um, in my life? What's important to me, right? Because even though it's a big box of gold, you want to be intentional with what you do with it. You want to make choices deliberately about it. And so those three steps, if you can start to process those three um, steps in your mind when you're feeling challenged or even just in your daily life, it will have a dramatically positive effect. So the, the now, remember the now, I love to reiterate that because it just makes it easy. Notice, open, welcome. Notice your experience, open to the opportunity of that experience to then welcome whatever it is you really want for yourself. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Now <laughs> it's, and like, like you said earlier, sometimes the things that, that can be kind of simple are the most effective. They, oh, yeah. it doesn't have to always be complicated. Absolutely. I think sometimes we're like, oh, it's too, it's too simple. It's not, it can be simple and still be really effective. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to think that the simpler it is, the more effective it is, because a lot of times things are just filled with extraneous bits of information, and it's confusing and mm -hmm. too much and overwhelming. And the simplest things can be the most effective because they're doable. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so true. And then my, my last question is how people can connect with you online if they want to find you, if they want to find out more about your method. I know you have an offer as well for the listeners. So yeah, where can people find you and, and find all of that? Yeah. So you can learn all about Make Peace With Stress at makepeacewithstress.com. And there on that website um, is a free stress type quiz. And when you take the quiz, you find out what your there's, there's three stress types. Uh, there's freezers, people who just literally get paralyzed in challenging moments. There's catastrophizers, right? Worst case scenario all the time for everything type personality or type response really is the way to say it. And then um, imploders. And that's what I am. I'm an imploder um, where you just sort of shove things down, pretend they're not happening until you know, it all caves in on you. So once you find out your stress type, the quiz is pretty fun. It's two minutes. You can download a guide to your stress type. Again, it's free. And the guide gives you a lot of information about your stress type, things to look for, but also a practice that is that sort of 
formula of something physical and it's not anything that you can't do really simply like I think one of them is self-hug right it's a nice shoulder stretch um, but it's something in, that you do in your body a breathing technique and a mental practice a mantra um, so to speak and those three work together as a really nice single practice that would take five minutes, maybe seven minutes max. But then also each of those three parts of the practice can be used. You know, you could do your breathing technique when you're getting ready to go into a meeting that you're worried about, or you can do the mantra when you're, you know, at the dentist and freaking out, or <laughs> you can do the, 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 physical thing on a day that you have had a really tough day and you're getting ready to go to bed and you just need to relieve some tension or that sort of thing. So you can use the specific parts of the practice individually and they work, re they're really potent when you use them together as a, as a part of your daily routine. Amazing. And then are you on social media as well? Can people find you anywhere on there? Yep, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. And it's either Stephanie Weikert or Stephanie Weikert Yoga Therapy for all of those. I think it's it's the yoga therapy version for Facebook, but the others is just simply Stephanie Weikert. Perfect. And we can definitely uh, put a link in the show notes so people can find you really easily from there. Thank you. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I've really enjoyed uh, talking with you, speaking about stress, finding out about yoga therapy. Um, yeah. And I think it's been so useful for our listeners. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Hannah. It's been a real pleasure, a real joy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks again to Stephanie. And as I'm recording this, I've just finished completing 30 days of yoga with yoga with Adrian. It's a lot of widths um, on YouTube. And I was thinking about this, about kind of putting myself out there, like doing yoga videos online or whatever. One, I don't have the space to record and it be camera friendly. But two, I just love yoga with Adrian so much that I feel like what would I be contributing to <laughs> to the world? Because I would just recommend her videos all the time to people. Um, I think they're fab. So if you're interested in trying out yoga for yourself, I 100% recommend Yoga with Adrian. Another thing, and I've mentioned this over the last few weeks, um, the mindfulness-based stress reduction, I think is a great way, again, of being mindful and being present and kind of links nicely to what Stephanie's been talking about. And I wanted to share actually a couple of quotes that as I was listening back to this conversation and editing kind of came to mind. And so the first one is from John Kabat-Zinn. I'm reading Full Catastrophe Living, as I mentioned, and he was involved in developing mindfulness-based stress reduction. And it's this idea that as long as you are breathing, there is more right with you than wrong with you, no matter what is wrong. And it just, you know, you think about... Um, when things are going wrong and when you're stressed, the idea of just taking a breath. And I guess if you can connect with that breath and just think, I'm breathing, you know, whatever else is going on. I'm here, I'm, I'm breathing. There is more right than wrong. Just, I don't know, to me, I find it comforting. Whether everyone else does, I don't know, but I wanted to share that. And another quote that came to mind was from Viktor Frankl. And Stephanie, you mentioned this idea about how we can make a conscious choice and kind of take charge of those thoughts and, and kind of what's going on. And this quote is that everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. And I just, uh, yeah, love that quote. And if you know anything of Viktor Frankl's story, so he was psychologist, psychotherapist, um, neurologist, I can't remember his exact title, but he was in this space and he was uh, a prisoner at Auschwitz. So he kind of observed the way that people responded in that situation. And this is the sort of idea that he came up with, that idea that no matter kind of what is going on, we have that ability to choose how we think about it, our attitude to it, our response to it. And 
I think there is something quite comforting in that, that no matter what way we've kind of chosen to think about things in the past, we can change, we can choose in this moment, how we react, how we respond. Um, And to me, that um, I find that comforting. So hopefully those two quotes you find comforting um, as well. And the last thing that I wanted to just mention, Stephanie talked about body-focused repetitive behaviours, the hair pulling, uh, skin picking is another type. Um, So if that is something that you resonate with, that you've been experiencing something similar, there is some information on the NHS website. I'm probably going to say these wrong, but for hair pulling, trichotillomania, and for the skin picking, dermatillomania. Um, there's information on the NHS website that you can try for things that might help to support you with that. But if it is something that you have been experiencing that you find you're unable to stop and it's causing serious damage, then do contact your G or your GP, your G, <laughs> do contact your GP, your doctor, your health professional um, to discuss it with them. So I just wanted to add that as well as it's something that we'd mentioned in passing that if it if it sounds familiar it sounds like something you're experiencing to um somewhere that you can get more information basically so with all that massive thank you again to stephanie and wednesday we have a special episode it's time to talk day on thursday which is a campaign or it's a day as part of the time to change campaign that i'm very passionate about and we have a special episode with several guests for that so i really hope you will join me for that Please do rate and review the show if you've enjoyed this episode and I will speak to you on Wednesday. Take care for now. Remember, be kind to yourself and I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now.